And please rise now as we hear the call of our Heavenly Father. And the call this morning comes from Psalm 138. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Grace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us call upon the Lord. Let us sing praise to him. We're starting with the doxology. It's hymn number 570 in hymnal if you need it. And then we will be singing that psalm that we heard, Psalm 138, uh, the B portion. So we'll start with praise God from whom all blessings flow. heart my thanks I bring.
Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. We thank you that you are our maker and you're our sustainer. It is by your providence that we are here. It is by your providence, your ordinary providence, that we have risen from our beds, that gravity works because of your faithfulness, that all things are working together for your glory and our good. And so we thank you that you have created us to glorify you, to serve you. And we pray that you would enable us now to serve you in this capacity as your people, those who say thank you by lives and words. We pray that you would enable us to do so, enable us to examine ourselves and confess our sins, hating, hating and forsaking them because they displease you, looking unto Jesus Christ, the one sacrifice where our sins have already been taken and judged. The death that we deserve occurred, and the grace is ours. We pray that you'd enable us to believe and to trust in that forgiveness we have in Christ. We pray that you'd speak to us from heaven through your word, by your spirit. We pray that we would have teachable spirits. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be glorified in all that is said and all that is done, not only in the worship service. We pray your blessing upon the speaker um, afterwards uh, with Connect Medical Clinic and also for our time of uh, fun and fellowship afterwards. We ask for your blessing in order to glorify and enjoy you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thirteen verses eight through ten. I'll read the light type if you could respond in the dark type. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. There is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Let us pray. Father in heaven. We thank you for these commandments that we have just read, the second half of the ten. We must also address the first four or five, and that is honoring and loving you. We are called to do so. From creation, we are covenant servants, and we are called to love our sovereign Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, as well as loving our neighbor as ourselves. We know that this is a law of liberty, a law that brings life, and yet 
we know that we have fallen short, far short of that. And so we do confess to you that we have not loved you with all as we are created to do. And even as we are redeemed, we are called to respond in thankfulness for redemption by loving you with all and loving our neighbor. And we failed in that regard. Our failures, our sins, have been starting in the heart and working outward. We have offended you. And so we know that there must be consequences to our actions. And so we understand the wages of sin is death, is separation from life and from you. And so we look not to ourselves, not to anything we've done, but only to Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. You became man and dwelt among us. We just celebrated your birth. And you became a servant. And you were made in the likeness of man. And you humbled yourself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. We understand that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And so we do look to you as the sufficient sacrifice for all our sins. Shed, your blood was shed once for all for the remission of sins. We thank you that you cried out from the cross, it is finished. The debt has been paid. And we believe that is true. And you rose again, you've conquered death, and that we have life, eternal life in you. And so we thank you, O Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would loosen our lips and enable us to sing your praises to thank you with word and deed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let us do so, singing of the grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Are you a wretch apart from Christ? He saves wretches, not righteous people. Amazing grace, three, uh, 433.
seated and if you'll stay, uh, keep holding that uh, hymnal and turn with me to the Apostles Creed it is found on page 851 so we have privilege once again not only to confess our sins but also to confess our faith is that important? Is it important to God? Does Jesus say anything about if we confess, our, confess him before men that he will confess us before the Father? Is that important? That Jesus says, you're mine? It's life and death. So we have opportunity, and today we use the uh, symbol uh, that which the church has been using for over 1,700 years, summarizing the Trinity. So, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is it you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And again, the footnote there, when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the word Catholic means universal, the one church from all ages. 
Also this morning, we begin our study in the Heidelberg Catechism. You'll see that little booklet right in front of you in your seats. Uh, we are beginning Lord's Day number one, questions and answers one and two, which are the introduction and in some ways the summary of what this... Now, the word catechism means oral teaching. Okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, catechisms were introduced by Protestants the Roman Catholics followed suit. It was one of those, if you can't beat them, join them. When we mostly hear the word catechism, usually we think of the Roman Catholics. They didn't want, they didn't have catechisms. They emulated the Protestants. And so what we have here is a teaching tool of the summary of the Bible as was put, introduced in Heidelberg. So today, Lord's Day number one, I'll read the question. If you'll please uh, respond with the answer. Question number one, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live unto him. Question two, how many things are necessary for you to know that in this comfort you may live and die happily? Three things. First, the greatness of my sin and misery. Second, how I am redeemed from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to be thankful to God for such redemption. So what is the response of your heart as you read those things? Hmm? Was that just information? I just read it because it's there? Or did your heart cry out, yes, amen, I am not my own. That's a hard statement for people to say because we're all self-centered. Right? I am right? part of the work of the sanctification of the Spirit is, is to say, no, He is. We, are, we belong to Him. Notice that. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus. That's a summary of the Catechism. That's a summary of the Bible. Right? If you don't belong to Jesus, who do you belong to? Kids, if you don't belong to Jesus, who do you belong to? The devil. At least that's what the Bible teaches, right? We're either in Adam, in, in the kingdom of darkness, or in the kingdom of the son of his love. If you don't belong to Jesus, you belong to darkness. But... With his precious blood, he has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil. Do you believe in Jesus? 
Are you trusting in Jesus alone for salvation? Well, then you're in the kingdom of light. Or as Paul says, the kingdom of the son of his love. Life and death is placed before you. Blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose Jesus, is what the Bible says. Are you resting in him? You're sitting in a chair right now. What's more important, the chair you're sitting in or Jesus Christ? Are you sitting in Jesus right now? If not, you're in danger. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Notice also, he preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. I guess it is the Lord's will for Steve to have all his hair fall from his head in the providence of God. And I'm catching up to you. But imagine that. Jesus says, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground unless the Father wills it. All the grass is gone. All that pretty flowers of the field are gone at this point in time in North Dakota, right? That's the will of the Father. But the will of the Father is they will come back if it is his will. If he's so concerned about the flowers and the grass, is he concerned about you and me? Are we more precious than they? Are you more precious to him than they? He cares for us. He's our Heavenly Father. And he's working all things together for my salvation. That's a tough one, right? When things go sideways. Cancer. Separation. Difficulties. I don't know how this is working out for my salvation, but the Bible says it is. Do I believe it? Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me from the heart, heart changes my heart. He does heart surgery and makes me willing and ready to live unto him. Do you desire to serve and follow Jesus? Is he your Lord? Not just your Savior, but he's your boss. Is he the Lord? Do you live for him? Is this comfort? I belong to Jesus. No one can touch me. Not even myself. What does Paul say in Romans? No other creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that comfort? Nobody. You are the apple of his eye. Nobody pokes his eye and gets away with it. Amen? In response, let us uh, again take up our hymnal and we'll sing another psalm. This time it's Psalm 128. Psalm 128b as in boy. Bless the man who fears Jehovah. Let's stand and sing.
Amen. Please be seated. And if you will please turn with me in your Bibles to our text this morning. We are picking up again in the book of Ephesians. We've been working our way through this book last year, and now we pick up uh, our verse today in particular is verse 21. That's our text. But let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 15. Hear now the word of God. See then that you walk circumspectly or accurately, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be under the controlling influence of wine, in which is dissipation, but be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. The grass fails, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. And as we come to now this further command on how to say thank you, enable us, O Lord. This is a hard statement for some, for all of us in many ways, to submit. What is a hard word? Many hate it, yet you call us to submit to you as Lord, but also submitting to one another in the fear, in your fear. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would do that work in us, that we would be able to hear, receive, trust, and obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, many years ago, I made a statement that said, Today, in today's world, there are now unacceptable words. Uh, the new law today is he or she. If you don't say it right, you can be arrested. You can lose your job. You could offend without knowing. You must use words that the person finds acceptable. True or false? That was something years ago I said, and I look back on that, and how about it today? Is that true today? We can offend without knowing it? What about the things that are now happening with the flag, with statues? Where is the honor to those that have died in our country for our country? Where is the honor of the past? What's going on? Is there an attempt to erase the past? 
We don't honor those that have gone before us and what they've established in this country, in this world. Here's a tough one. We're called to honor the president. Is that a tough one? He's not honorable, so how do I, why should I honor him? Because God says, honor the king. Honor the governor. Honor those in authority. Why? Because God placed them there. I don't know why or how, but he did. That's a tough one. We're called to honor him. In honoring him, we honor the king of kings. So this text, like I said in the prayer, is a difficult one. There's a four-letter word in our, in our society that people hate, and that is obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother. Is that in the Bible? Is that in the Old Testament? Is that in the New Testament? Honor your father and your mother. What's the promise? That your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Another negative word, like I said in the prayer, is the word submit. Is that hard to do? Is it hard to submit to your boss? To your parents? How about to the police officer that pulls you over? To the judge? I don't know if you've... Did you see that one video where that one fellow come flying over the bench and attacked the judge because he didn't like what the judge decided? Did you see that? Is that respecting authority? He's got now, what, seven charges more against him. We live in a lawless society where we don't honor those in authority. And ultimately, we don't honor God. We choose not to submit. It is an offense to be told to. But yet, what does our passage say? Submit or submitting to one another in the fear or the respect or the honor, the reverence of God. That's our text this morning. So I have the outline in the bulletin. The main point is, as those who trust in Christ alone for salvation, we are called to walk worthy of what he has done for us. That's chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That's our calling. In contrast to the rebellious world, we are called to walk accurately, verse 15 of chapter 5, according to God's revealed will through his holy word. This is accomplished under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit, verse 18, which leads to growth in wisdom and knowledge, joy and thanksgiving from the heart, and mutual edification and service or ministry. So what have we been doing? We've been working our way through the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you remember, starting in chapter 4, what's the summary? Walking with Jesus, our great shepherd. Matter of fact, we did a little excursus where we were looking at the incarnation or the birth of Jesus. 
But what was the key word that I said that those sermons were based around? If anyone was listening, one word begins with a K, ends with a G. King. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. Okay? Here we have a continuation. We're coming back to that, the implications of that. Walking with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says in chapters 1 through 3, what is our position if we believe in Jesus? Chapter 2, verse 6. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. Did you, do you believe that? Well, no, no, I'm sitting in, seated in Dickinson, North Dakota. Well, that's true too. But positionally, if you are in Christ, Paul says you're in heaven because he's in heaven and you're in him. That's your place. If you believe in Jesus, you are in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then chapter 4, he says, okay, so now walk. Conduct your life in Jesus. Walk following Jesus. That's chapters 4, 5, and into chapter 6. And then in chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, he will then talk about standing with Jesus against the warfare that we face, putting on the whole armor of God, and so on. So again, if you want to summarize the book of Ephesians, three words, sit, walk, stand. Sit, walk, stand. That's the summary of the book. In verse 8 of chapter 5, he brings a contrast between darkness and light. In verse 15 of the book, chapter 5, he brings a contrast of wise and fools, with wise people and fools. And so he leads into, I'm, I'm kind of giving us kind of the context, he's leading into walking in wisdom and walking in the Spirit or being controlled by the Spirit. So, number one, point one, why should we walk in the fear of the Lord because of who he is? What is the foundational principle of wisdom according to Proverbs? For those of you that have read Proverbs and those that you that haven't, you probably know chapter 1, verse 7. What is the foundational principle of all godly wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning, right? The beginning of wisdom. Now, is that a cowering, running away from God like Adam and Eve did in the garden? Is that the fear that is talked about there? Did they fear the Lord at that time? Yes. Is that what he's talking about? No. It's talking about a proper respect, a proper understanding of who he is. Honoring him. Reverencing him. Treating him as he is. That's the fear of the Lord. Another way of looking at it is it's walking consistent to what is logical and right. Does that make sense? If he is the Lord, our response is to serve the Lord. That's the right thing to do, to worship the Lord, 
It's the right, it's the logical thing to do. According to Paul in Romans chapter 12, what does he say after the gospel is presented? Therefore, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is what? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your logical service. Your logic, the logical thing to do is to serve the king of kings. To not serve is the opposite of logic. It's foolishness. You understand? To be wise, the opposite of wisdom is to be foolish. What is foolish? Acting as if the Lord isn't the Lord, but I am. How often do, are we foolish? I want my way. Isn't that what sin is? So that's why Paul has been talking about wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the second half of that verse, but fools despise knowledge and instruction. So who are you? What are you? Are you wise or are you a fool? That's the question of the day. In Proverbs chapter 9, as a matter of fact, the first 10 chapters of Proverbs develop this contrast of wise versus fools. But in Proverbs chapter 9, they use two women. In verse 10, we hear, the wise woman, the woman that's wisdom, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied and your years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. And then contrasts with the foolish woman in verse 13 and on. So what is the foundational prism, principle of wisdom according to the Bible? It's a proper response to who God is. It's rational. It's right. He's the Lord. You are not. He made you. He owns you. You belong to him. In our text, the fear of the Lord, or some, trans, some uh, manuscripts have the fear of Christ, which actually I like that one better, but the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. In other words, we are to give proper respect and honor to the Lord. I've already said that how many times already? Right? Sometimes people say, I repeat myself too much. Is it important to repeat, to, to hear it again and again? Okay? When God writes something three or four times in a, a verse, is it something important? Yes, it is important. He's the Lord. Jesus is Lord over all things. Paul has already declared that in chapter 1, verse 20. Which he, that is Christ, worked, uh, um, that is God, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age it is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He put all things under his feet. What does that mean? Does Jesus own everything? Does he own you? Does he own everything you own? Okay. As creator, he's created us, he's made us his creatures, his covenant servants. We exist to fulfill his purposes. Do you believe that? You only exist because God created you, sustains you, has a purpose for you, loves you, sent his son for you, sends his spirit, is involved with you, has a purpose for you, and so on. My identity is not in myself. My identity is in Christ. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, he's the creator of not just believers, but he's the creator of everyone. Every human is a covenant servant of God. Do you understand that? That means that if we do not do what the master says, what are we? Are we unprofitable servants? How about rebellious servants? If the Lord says, jump, what are we called to do? Say how high on the way up. Right? To not jump is to be in rebellion. He is our provider. He provides for all mankind. His whole kingdom. That's why we preach the gospel to every creature. Because every creature is under him and they need to repent and believe or perish. So when we talk to a non-Christian, it isn't, well, you get to choose whatever you want. No, no. You are his covenant servant. You're created, you're sustained. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or perish. Is that the gospel? Is that what we are called to share? He provides life and breath in all things. He, is, he has might and he has right to be personally involved with every one of us. And so therefore sin is a personal offense to a holy God. It's a slapping him in the face. And he has a right to punish that. But yet also he's our redeemer. And we are thankful children. We have received the love, the grace, the mercy of God. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul goes into great detail of that. Because of who he is, we are called to walk in respect of him. Secondly, because of who we are in Christ, he is the owner of all things, Psalm 24, and all things owe their existence on him. I think I just said that. Didn't I? 
But I'm not the only one to say that. The Apostle Paul, when he had opportunity to witness in the most academic, intelligent area of the ancient world, where was Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge during the time of the Apostle Paul? Where did you go to get the greatest education in the world at the time? Anybody? Athens. Paul arrives in Athens. And we read in chapter 17, he is asked to give a dissertation of what he's trying to communicate. And while he's doing so, in chapter 17 of the book of Acts, Paul says... Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I passed through and considered the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Imagine that. Here he is against the intelligentsia of the ancient world, and he says, there's only one true God. You're all very religious. You, do, you have all these temples and all these idols and everything. There's only one God. He owns everything. He has determined your life, where you live, what you're doing. He is the owner of all things. Again, in Colossians, in him all things are held together. Isn't that an amazing thought? Every atom in the universe is held together by Jesus Christ. What, were, what would happen if he let go? The elements would pass away in fervent heat. Is that in the Bible? Thank Jesus that he holds everything together. Not just the whole world, but every atom. Everything is in his hand. Again, his involvement, his providence, it is because of his providence that you've taken that breath you just took a moment ago, and the breath you just took now, that's only because of his mercy, that you are breathing. That's what the Puritan said. So what should you do with the breath? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But who are we in him? He is the Lord. One, one theologian spoke about it this way. During the creation week, all things, plants, animals, and persons, 
are appointed to be the covenant servants to obey God's law and to be instruments of his gracious purpose. Thus, everything and everybody is in covenant with God. Isaiah 24, 5, all the inhabitants of the earth have broken the everlasting covenant. The creature, our creator-creature relations is a covenant relationship, a Lord-servant relationship. God is the Lord that in all his relations with the world, he speaks and acts as Lord. And so we are his covenant servants. But yet, we are in Christ, we who believe in Christ, you who believe in Christ, we belong as his beloved, redeemed people. Is that important? Is it important to you that you're loved by the Father? That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son? That Jesus, he says, no greater love is no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. But, but Jesus laid down his life for his enemies, you and I. While we were yet sin, Christ died for us. Who can separate us from that love? Paul says nothing. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the savior of the body. And so, therefore, we confess that Jesus is Lord, right? What does Paul say about that? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you confess him as Lord? Do you submit to him? Do you desire to serve him? Do you respond to the love of God by loving him? By doing what he commands? Do you honor him? Do you give thanks to him? Verse 20 of our text. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So one of the ways that we can show the love and faith in Christ is to love one another. Is that in the Bible? Love your neighbor as yourself? Well, here it says, submit to your neighbor. What is he talking about? What does that mean? Submitting to one another in our various callings. Calvin said, where love reigns, mutual service will be rendered. We're called to serve one another, to love one another. My wife is involved with the Amen Food Pantry. And when they talk about the people that they help, they don't call them clients or needy people. They call them neighbors. We're here to help our neighbor. I think that is a great way to describe serving others. You're my neighbor. I'm called to love my neighbor 
as myself. All my fellow men are my neighbor, right? Submitting to one another, serving one another, voluntarily yielding in love to others, to God, to his word, to his spirit, to his people. Which one is the hardest to submit to? To his people, right? So I know you, you know me. It's hard to submit when we know each other's faults, right? Like I said, I have a hard time submitting to or honoring President Biden. Okay? But he's still the president. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm called to honor the office, even if the man is, un, is not honorable. You know what I mean by that? Okay. When the officer pulls you over and is a jerk, you're still called to on, honor the police officer, even if he's wrong. Right? We're called to honor our parents when we know they're wrong, right? We're called to submit to one another in our various callings. So how? How are, is this to be reflected in our daily lives? What is the structures that God has established? What are the orders, the things that he's done, established? What are the covenant relationships that God has established and calls us to function properly in each one? What are they? Number one, generally, love our neighbors. Love all. Respect all. Serve one another. Peter said that, didn't he? Honor all. That's a command. We're called to honor our neighbor. One of the things that I find frightening is the thinking nowadays that I can kill, I can be a terrorist. I don't know if you've heard that. There's more and more young people think it's okay to be a terrorist. You read that? It's okay that to kill another human being. To take the law into my hands and to kill another human being. I have a right. They don't have the honor of being created in the image of God because of what they did. True or false? You seen it? Well, I, I play these video games and I'm shooting up and killing all these people and then I go out and do it in real life. Because we don't have that concept that God has created that person in the image of God. I think of Hamas, right? You know the word Hamas means violence? Did you know that? That, that Arabic word, Hamas, means violence? Does it fit? They went out and killed 1,200 people and they gloried in it? They weren't killing people created in the image of God. They were killing Crash, enemy, those that need to be exterminated. They have no value. Infidels. Loss of the honor 
that God has placed on every human being. Every human being is created in the image of God, reflects the image of God. And we're called to honor the image of God in that person. How are you doing? We will go on, and we'll be looking at that in the rest of chapter 5 and into chapter 6 to give some examples. Number one, marriage. Notice in verse 22, the next verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Oh, that's a horrible thing to say, Paul. I saw a meme recently that said Pope, the Pope has excommunicated the Apostle Paul for that statement. It doesn't fit with the narrative today. I had a wedding that I went to and they voided the word submit in the vows because it's too offensive. But it's in the Bible. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Marriage points to Christ and his church, which is what everything is all about anyways, right? We all exist. This whole thing is, what Paul says, is about the church, about Christ and the church. And marriage is a picture of that. He goes on to children, chapter five, 6, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So children, honor your parents, even when they're wrong. Okay. Respect them. Examples, household, family, also employment. Verse 5 of chapter 6. Servants. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. And that is interesting. The person I work for ultimately will give an answer to Christ for his management of my time. Submit. He doesn't cover civil government in this book in this letter, but he does in other places like Romans 13. And again, he doesn't mention the church per se and church government, but that's he does in many places. So these are examples. So how do I reflect in my daily life? Love God. Thank God. Respond to God's grace, what Jesus has done for us. Love my neighbor who's created in the image of God, care about them. We're going to have someone come up and speak about ways of doing that in the announcement time. Love my neighbor as myself. Submit to those in authority. Actually, it says, our text says what? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Honoring one another. Once more, Calvin said concerning this text, God has bound us so strongly to each other that no man ought to endeavor to avoid subjection. And where love reigns, mutual services will be rendered. Catch that? 
Where love reigns, mutual service to one another will be rendered. But then he says, but as nothing is more irksome to the mind of man than this mutual submission, he directs us to fear the fear of Christ, who alone can subdue our fierceness, that we may not refuse the yoke and can humble our pride, that we may not be ashamed of serving our neighbors. Interesting one. It's irksome to mankind to submit. Like I said to you years ago, I walked by a couple of young ladies talking, and, and one said to the other, I will never submit to a man. My eyes, I just kept walking. I didn't say anything I wanted to, and I'm going, okay, we've got some education that's going to go on with this person in time. She's now married and has children, and we'll see what, anyways. Nothing is more irksome to the mind of man than the mutual subjection. But, what does he say? Christ humbles us. Christ loves us enough to humble us. So, We're called to respect and honor Christ. We're called to love the brethren and to serve one another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you. We thank you first and foremost that our Lord Jesus Christ became obedient to the point of death because he became a servant. And as he said, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your service so long ago, and for your service even today, as you reign at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and that you are ruling uh, us, you're ruling all things. All authority has already been given to you in heaven and on earth, and you reign. And so we do bow the knee, we do confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We do so willingly now, knowing that someday all wills do so, willing or unwilling. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would enable us to, again, appreciate what you have done for us, what you are doing for us, what you will do, and that our response, our thankful response, would be to submit to you and to one another in the fear of God. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let let us uh, respond with his tithes and our offerings. Father in heaven, we do lay before you these tithes and offerings, acknowledging that you are, you are the sovereign 
ruler of all things. All things belong to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We belong to you. Our resources belong to you. Our time belongs to you. All things that we have belong to you. And we give back to you a portion acknowledging such. We pray that you grant wisdom to the dispersing and the using of these tithes and offerings for your kingdom purposes. We also uh, commit ourselves to you. We do pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We do look to you for our daily bread, for the things that we need. We do desire to see that, that peace that you have called us to be, peacemakers. And so we pray that you would enable us to forgive those who have offended us as we are called to, uh, as you forgive us of our many offenses. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who protects us. You are the one who delivers us from evil. You are the one that surrounds us with your grace. And so we do pray that you would provide for us. We thank you, Lord, uh, for answered prayer, for the many prayers that we have prayed over the years and how you've answered. We think in particular of the Shimitz family and the uh, ability to bring Mela home. We do pray for that family as they are sick. And we pray they've been fighting sickness this week, especially Ray Lynn. And we pray that you would uh, grant grace and healing to them. We pray for others also in the congregation and extended family. We think of Ethel. Uh, we ask, O oh Lord, for your mercy and help, a continued uh, recovery and uh, victory over this cancer. Um, we pray that you would bring comfort to her and help her to rest in you and find her only, um, only comfort in life and in death in Jesus Christ. Uh, we lift up to you Audrey, a young adult niece of the Rollers. We ask, O oh Lord, for uh, her, that you'd work on her heart to reach out and communicate with her family so they would know that she's okay. Uh, we pray that if she knows you not, you ask for your salvation for her. We lift up to you uh, our, our brothers in Christ, uh, uh, Pastor Mike Lassley and Pastor Hank Bowen, uh, serving in South Dakota. We pray that you, we thank you that there is recovery. Although it's slow for Mike after the stroke, we ask that you continue to bless him, continue uh, to uh, help, especially on the right side movement uh, to return we thank you for his ability to be in the pulpit, even if it is sitting down. We thank you that his speech is returning uh, unhindered. We ask that you continue to do so. We also thank you, Lord, for Hank Bowen and his recovery. Uh, although it sounds like it'll be months from uh, injury to his back, we ask that you would bring, uh, uh, relieve the pain that he's dealing with. Uh, we, we lay before you also our brothers, now, brothers and sisters not only here, in uh, Dickinson, but also those that are in Weezer, uh, Idaho. We thank you, Lord, for the families that have gathered together there, and we ask your blessing upon them as they uh, desire to see a church planted in, in that community, in that area, and we pray, Lord, your blessing on that. We pray for the elders uh, of the Home Missions Committee that will be going and visiting them uh, in the near future. We pray for wisdom and traveling mercies concerning establishing that as a home mission work, and we pray for a provision of a pastor as well. We do lift up to you many of the churches in the RCUS that without pastors, we think of the church in Minneapolis, and Mitchell, and Pier, and Lincoln, and Lyman, and Greeley, and we ask, O oh Lord, for provision for them. Uh, we do ask also, O oh Lord, for those who uh, ministers that have retired or are ailing 
in health, we think of uh, especially Lee Johnson, as he is a young man and yet recovering from that stroke has uh, caused him to have to uh, step down from serving as pastor. We pray for him and his family and provision. We lay before you the other concerns and cares that we brought with us as we came here today, uh, casting our cares upon you for you care for us. And we pray that you would hear these things as we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For our closing hymn this morning, if you'll turn with me to 249, uh, For the Beauty of the Earth. 249, let us stand and sing.
Receive now God's blessing and benediction. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.